Good day to all my Thunderbird buddies and my antique car lovers. Today we finish our discussion on the third generation of Thunderbirds known as the Bullet Birds. Plus, remember, the Bullet Birds are my favorite potty style. For 1963, we see a major revamp on the flanks of our Bullet Bird. There was an addition of a character line that ran from just behind the headlights down the front fenders to the rear of the door where it turned downward. Below the character line on the door were three hash marks to imitate jet-style type air intakes. Ford did catch some flack for this character line because it did take the round smoothness away from the sides of the T-Birds that were a hallmark of the first two models. But I think if you look carefully, you'll see that the character line squares off the front wheel well and brings it more in line with the squareness of the rear wheel well plus the squareness of the fender skirt overall. So if you take into account the character line, the three hash marks, and the square wheel well on the front, it's easy to spot a 63 over a 61 and 62. Ford once again offered four distinct T-Bird models, a hardtop, a convertible, a Landau, and a sports roadster. Base price was $4,542 for a hardtop, and it topped out at $5,660 for a sports roadster. Ford did introduce a special Landau model in the honor of Princess Grace and Prince Rainier, uh, they introduced this model to the public in Monaco, where the prince and the princess not only wed, but where they were going to serve. Princess Grace was an American movie star, Grace Kelly, and Ford saw a great chance for some publicity. So they introduced the Ford uh, Thunderbird Monaco Landau edition in Monaco. These T-Birds are collectible and are stunning when restored to new. This Monaco edition is second only to the sports roadster in collectability of the Bullet Bird bodies. The Monaco Landau was interesting. It featured a Corinthian white color exterior with a rose beige colored vinyl roof. This roof was very susceptible to sun damage and not many of the roofs survived till today. So if you find one of these models and it's not already been fully restored, count on spending some money and redoing the roof. It also featured um, special S-bars mounted on the sail panels of the roof and simulated spinner knockoff wheel covers completed the look outside. Inside the Monaco edition, we find white leather seat covers, rose beige carpet, simulated rosewood appliques in place of the stainless steel, and a white steering wheel and column. Each model featured a plaque below the heater controls and was numbered 1 to 2,000. 2,000 was the total number built, and Ford completed this in six months. Even with the introduction of this special Landau model, total sales were down to around 63,000 units. 
with only about 37 of the M-Code Sports Roadsters being built. So if you're looking for some rare cars, look no further than these Landau Edition cars and the M-Code cars. Now, the 63 T-Bird featured many engineering advances. We find in the Thunderbird for the first time, an alternator. Until then, they were generators. We find finned drum brakes, overall beefier suspension, the entire front suspension, rear suspension uh, was rebuilt in a heavier, using heavier components to address some complaints from the earlier models. AM FM radio option. Power windows are now in the center console. And a lot of insulation and sound dampening have been added uh, to the car. This is probably one of the quietest cars Ford has built in a long time. The hood release was moved to the grill, and the emergency brake lever now was placed underneath the dash. One of the things that's interesting from an engineering standpoint with the 63 was there was serious thought given to what they called a sunbonnet top. This would actually have been a T-top. Yeah, it didn't make production, but I have found some pictures of them and I will try and get those posted to my site. Also in the interior for 63, something I think you'll find interesting is they have what they call Christmas tinsel welting in the interior. So especially if your interior was two-toned, it really showed up in this welting went between the two different colors, and it was actually silver. It was actually the color of tinsel, hence it's named Christmas tinsel. But it was a Mylar-type welting. So if you go to replace the interior of a 63 and it's two-toned, really make sure that you find this tinsel welting, because if not, some cheaper seat covers and fabrics will just have a gray-colored webbing uh, between the two different colors. The tinsel really does set the interior off. Um, the windshield wipers were now run off the hydraulic fluid of the steering gearbox. I didn't know that personally until I fixed my steering gearbox, and all of a sudden my windshield wipers started working better. I never realized that the windshield wipers actually ran off the steering gearbox. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, also, one of the things that was proposed for the 63 Thunderbird was a half vinyl roof, kind of like a basket handle uh, where the front part of the roof was going to be the same color as car and either a dark or light vinyl. Now, I've seen photos of this too, and I think it was a very attractive offering if they had made it. But of course, we know by now that they didn't. Also in the works for the 63 was a fastback design. Now, if you remember from the previous uh, podcast, we talked a little bit about this fastback design, and you can find it on a uh, Thunderbird uh, T-Bird known as the Italian that was especially built for the car shows that Ford uh, took their new cars to to show. The fastback... Um, Addition 
to the Thunderbirds were actually molded out of fiberglass. Now, this didn't make it to production either, and as far as I know, only the Italian existed. But it's a very famous car, so I'm sure it would be easy to find pictures of it, but I think you would fall in love with it too. It's interesting. I'm going to say this again. I think I said this in the last podcast. I found it very interesting that the designer who had designed the fastback roof eventually was hired away by Plymouth. And this fastback roof shows up on the early Barracudas. It's funny how designs cross over. Speaking of that, speaking of that, the 63 Thunderbird, from an engineering standpoint, was supposed to be a front-wheel drive car. And Ford didn't think they could make money uh, with the front-wheel drive system, although they had all the engineering for it. They might even held the patent. I'm not sure. And if you look in a 63's engine compartment, you'll notice it is really large. Even with the 390 sitting in it, it is quite large. They had built... From what I was told, they had built the engine compartment to hold a V8 sideways, and the Ford Thunderbird was probably going to be your first personal uh, luxury car with front-wheel drive, not counting the Cord and the Duesenbergs and some cars like that from later on. But what I found highly interesting was Ford, from my research, sold the engineering and the patent to GM for their front-wheel drive system because they didn't think there was going to be a future or money that could be made from it. And this front-wheel drive system, the adaptation of it, is what shows up in the Oldsmobile Toronado later on. Now, one of the things, too, I found interesting because I found some pictures that predate the Toronado. Now, think of a Toronado that has Thunderbird badging and a little bit difference in the grills. Ford actually designed a Thunderbird for the late 60s that looked very much like the Buick Toronado. My personal opinion is I think there was some espionage that took place or maybe Ford sold Buick the design. But it actually does look like an Oldsmobile Toronado with Thunderbird emblems. And again, I found this odd because I looked at the date when this Thunderbird was designed, and like I said, it predated the Oldsmobile Toronado with the front-wheel drive. Um, I thought it would be interesting um, to let you know that in 63, the Buick Riviera was now on the scene. GM initially was going to limit it to 40,000 units. Now, I'm not a, a GM aficionado, so I don't know if this is a true number, but the original plan for the Buick Riviera, which was a direct competitor to the T-Bird, was going to be limited to 40,000 units. So we know it definitely did cut into the sales of the 63 Bullet Birds. But it should be noted, the T-Bird still outsold the Riviera. Now, I know last week I said, following the discussion of this 63 uh, car, <laughs> Thunderbird, 
that we were going to start talking about going back and start talking about little problem areas and um, things to look out for in each generation of Thunderbird as it came up and finished with the 63 model. But I want to change that up a little bit. Next week, I found some literature, and I'm going to discuss with you what Ford salesmen were given to counteract the threat of the Riviera. I was able, when I was at Carlisle in Pennsylvania a couple years ago, I found a brochure, a salesman card that Ford produced that compared the Riviera and the Ford Thunderbird head-to-head. -head. And I thought it would be interesting to go over that data with you. So next week, we're going to uh, talk about the Clash of the Titans, so to speak, the 63 Buick Riviera and the 63 Thunderbird, and see which car, eh, I don't know which car was better than the other. You know, I'm always going to lean towards the Thunderbirds because that's what this podcast is about. But both cars were very good examples of personal luxury cars in the early 60s. So, don't forget, I'll be posting the 63 ID tag info on my website, bluethunderinthehills.com. And so, until we discuss the Clash of the Titans next week, the Buick Riviera and the 63 Bullet Bird, uh, until then, please, each of you, have a nice week. Be careful, have fun, and don't forget, drive those antiques. <laughs>